Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and landed at episode number 229. An eccentric's one thing, but Bohemian's quite another awesome thing. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm good. How are you? Very well. Decent. Just decent? Decent. Getting ready to move. 95% packed. 95? 95. Wow. Got Impressive. some... Uh, Closet stuff, along with some paperwork, and our table's a mess. I need to organize it and pack it all away. And then dishes and clothes, or not clothes, um, dishes, food, and toiletries that we're currently using. And then stuff on the walls. I've been waiting to take stuff off the walls, because nothing makes it feel less like a home without stuff on it. <laughs> so there's a huge mound of boxes, but we still got stuff on the walls. <laughs> I usually take stuff off the walls first just because I can pile the boxes higher. <laughs> I don't want them that high. Well, they're all in front of the counter, too. Mm. So in front of the island, so I don't want them too high. I plan on gathering them all together because there are still some like in the hallway closet and on the bookshelves and taking a picture of this massive box of boxes because it's a lot. <gasps> can we build a fort? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you want if you could with these. There's a, they're he- some of them are heavy. You put those on the bottom. Most of them are heavy. <laughs> it's a solid fort. Nobody's getting in there. <laughs> Sounds to me like you overpacked the boxes. <laughs> no, not for the box. Just I wouldn't want that over my head. Depends on the kind of fort you built. I have an empty box you could use for a roof, I guess. <laughs> what do you guys do this week? Have you never built a box fort? Besides pack. <laughs> No, I don't think it's I have. not like an igloo. You don't Why? have a roof on it. <laughs> I think it's like a blanket forter. No, 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 no. Box fort is it's like a castle. You just put the walls up and you build parapets. Oh, and, you okay. know. Gotta be able to look over the walls yeah. and you're gonna huck things. At the oh, we could probably do that. You gotta huck things at I the invaders. I don't know where, where we'd have room to build it. You have to huck things at the Huns. <laughs> huck cattle over the walls. <laughs> Fetch it, <a> mush. <laughs> One of my favorite memes I've seen recently is a uh, bard coming up to the hobbits, or not the hobbits, the dwarves, once they've got the mountain, and it's that line of dialogue instead of what they actually said. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys do anything? Is there someone else up there we could talk to? <laughs> oh, besides catching up with shows, I've been playing... Uh... Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds <laughs> <laughs> all week. John and I figured out how to get it installed in our on our Macs, so we're, we're good to go. We have one little which glitch, was a side but... trip that we ended up getting deleted. Our conversation, yeah, that's right, that. yeah, yeah. You should have been there for that. That was quite awesome. But it's a classic game, and I'm having a ton of fun playing it again. Sean and I actually, after we recorded last week, we got our <laughs> we got on his land and and. Started playing a land game, too, so we, we got that working. We can't get it working yet from house to house, but we can get working if we're on the same network, so. Join us. That's been fun. Oh, Join us. <laughs> I forgot how much I love that game. I always struggled at it, but I enjoyed it. 
Um, I did something that I know you did this week. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, you, 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 can I, I start? Not. Because I actually had some lead up to it because I think middle of last week I went ahead and got copies of uh, Mad Max, Road Warrior, and Beyond Thunderdome. And I will always call it Road Runner, Road Runner, Road Warrior, even though it is officially Mad Max 2. I did not realize when it first came out it was called Mad Max 2. It was later for American audiences was released as Road Warrior. And I watched the I watched the first one because I thought I don't remember that one very well because it's been a long time since I'd seen that one. And um, remember I was talking about the overdub. The, mm-hmm. <laughs> I loaded up this copy and I started it and I was like, that actually sounds like Mel Gibson and the the <laughs> dubbing isn't that bad. And then I went, that is Mel Gibson. The c- copy that I got is the actual original Australian copy, which apparently was re-released after people figured out that we were smart enough to understand <laughs> Australian <laughs> accents. When I was a kid, I saw the American overdub, oh, and it's drastically, now, it's drastically noticeable. Now, in hindsight, this was, like, clean. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. But anyway. You can understand it. Yeah. So I got, no, I got, I, got of it, but <laughs> I, I, I loaded up the first copy because I thought I got, I got a little nostalgic after you talked about it the last weeks. And I watched it. And I went, eh, it's pretty good. And then I thought, eh, I'll go on. I've got the other two, so I'll watch Road Warrior. So a couple days later, I watched Road Warrior. I think Friday morning, maybe I watched the Road Warrior. And I still couldn't get too excited about seeing Mad Max, uh, Fury Road, until Holly and I, on Saturday night, we were watching. Or I was reading an article, and it said that it had a 99% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Nothing gets a ninety nine percent fresh rating. <laughs> so then I got, then I was intrigued, but then I thought, well, I won't be able to see it until the following week because we were going to record on Sunday. So then when Keith texted and said, um, "Can we push off to record on Monday?" Which, by the way, we're recording on Monday. If you hadn't noticed, it's not on the feed yet. Um, I thought, hmm, it's an eleven o'clock showing tonight. So then I had watched. Is that opportunity? <laughs> I hadn't watched. Um, uh-oh. <laughs> Beyond Thunderdome yet. So I, I said, I told Holly, I said, I think I'm going to go to a movie tonight. She said, that's fine. I don't, I don't care to see it. And she said, you'd be gone anyway. We're going to be asleep. So I scurried downstairs at 9 o'clock and went. Good point. I scurried downstairs at 9 o'clock and loaded up Beyond Thunderdome and watched it really quick before I went. And I literally got over. I got to the credits. and I didn't watch all the credits, but I got to the credits at 10 till, and the movie starts at 11. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so I jumped in the truck, and I drove to the theater. It takes about five minutes. This is where you cue the... Got in there, got my ticket. 15 minutes are going to be trailers anyway. Got set down at 10.59, and the trailers came on, and man, they got a buttload of trailers in front yeah, of that you could have finished you oh probably could have watched thunderdome well, I looked again at, i looked at my watch <laughs> and it was it didn't actually start until like 11 20 i was like 20 minutes worth of credits or not credits trailers Honestly, so that's yeah how long it was for avengers wait a minute no at least in 2D. I, I the first time in 2d it was both times i saw it was not near as many trailers but anyway oh my gosh <laughs> Wow, it's it's it is so well done. It's got a fantastic story. It's a standalone film. You don't have to have seen any of the previous ones, but it's still in the same vein. Tom Hardy steps into the Hardy, yeah, Hardy, Hardy. steps into the role, and or as I like to call him, Bane. Get, yeah, <laughs> steps into the role and just knocks it out of the park. He's very. I mean, he he didn't 
he didn't try to do anything different than Mel did. He really he played the character as the character was, and it just I I had a blast watching it. I I don't think it's the best movie of the year. I can't say that yet, but it was it was tremendous. It was a tremendous amount of fun and totally worth it. It's the best. I, one I, I've I seen saw it three so D. I saw it three D because there was only a three D viewing at eleven o'clock, hmm. and so I went into it a little. Eh, do I really want to pay full price for three D? And the 3D is really well done. Is it good? Yeah, because we saw it in 2D, and it's a little dark. The film's dark, but you know, they most, they usually are. But it's, yeah. I mean, as for for 3D, it's a yeah. little, almost it's on the verge of being too dark because 3D already knocks it's down that. Yeah. yeah, makes it darker. But it's still 98 percent on uh, really well. Rotten Tomatoes. But only unfortunately, it got beat by Pitch Perfect this week too. Hey, but it's, these two are the first ones to beat Avengers yet, right? Didn't Avengers win last week, too? I don't remember. I can't imagine a hot yeah. pursuit one. Yeah, no, Avengers, yeah, no, Avengers had Avengers two weeks. Avengers three this week, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I, we went and saw it in two days, and, and it, it was just... it's There's maybe 15, maybe 20 minutes of, of quote-unquote setup... At the beginning, but that setup is kind of couched within an action sequence. Yeah, exactly. And then the chase starts. The whole movie's the chase. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, the chase starts twenty that, minutes in, that and that's the, the rest of it. Chase that they said they spent days and days and days upon filming. Yeah, yeah oh yeah. The whole, mo- the, whole movie, the whole movie. The whole movie's the chase. Charlie's, practically, Charlie Theron said we we spent one hundred eighty six days filming an action scene. Because that's <laughs> wow. it's true. That's it's, what I it mean, is. With, it is nonstop, with the exception of a couple of. Pauses where they do have to stop. It's just, <laughs> but they're still being chased. They're still being I mean, chased. It's, yeah. yeah, it's just wow. I heard it's a really good feminist film too. Actually, um, that Charlie Stone's role is a great feminist. Uh, you know, role. I I have problems saying that it's a feminist movie. Are there strong female characters in it? Yes. I didn't click any of the articles. Wanting to is, avoid spoilers. So is I don't know there if that's a, what they're you know, implying more than anything else? Well, I think from what I've been able to gather, a lot of the male chauvinist idiots are upset that there were women characters with speaking dialogue lines in their Mad Max film. <laughs> this is like That's kind of what the argument boils down to, quite honestly, is, well, this is a testosterone movie, and, uh, and you know, it, it's not. Um, I, I can't necessarily go into too much of the, well, like, what I feel is George Miller's rebuttal to that without spoiling well, even, a potential Even the point, characters but, that were would be considered the damsel role were still very strong characters. Yeah. Too, on the I mean, it's of themselves. Shirley so. Theron's character in this is kind of like Sigourney Weaver in aliens or, I mean, she's just a, she's just a badass, you know, and yeah. she just take no prisoners and she's, she's, it's Mad Max, but it's technically her movie. Well, I, I tell you, <laughs> it strikes a balance between her character and Max. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause the trailers make it look like Max is just kind of a small, Footnote to the movie. No, he's there, but he's he, got very little dialogue too. Yeah, well, in, in typical Max fashion, well, he kinda, which that's kind of been fitting with the first film. Yeah, he shows up and things but, happen no, to him. You no, know, not not at all. He's got a lot of dialogue in the first film. I think he's got less in the second film. Less in the second. Okay, maybe. That's and then he's got a lot again in the third film. Well, yeah, I guess once he gets with the kids. But <laughs> no, it's uh, and you know, I we've just I'm blown away, just blown away by how good this movie was how non-stop this movie was and everything and it wasn't until we got home and got into bed and we, we'd been talking all the way blah blah, blah and and laid there and we went to the late thursday night showing oh, yeah. so we were at ten thirty, knowing that well mel's got to be at work early this is going to be a late <laughs> night okay 
And uh, it wasn't until I got home and got into bed that I finally felt my muscles start to uncoil. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was... Oh, it's an intense, intense film. I was exhausted by the time it was over. But in a good way, just like, wow. I can't say enough good things (laughs) about this movie. And there was a point where I thought the film was over. I thought, okay, that's it. The chase is over. Wait, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) There's another 30 minutes. Let's do it again. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? It's been, it was on my list to see. I wanted to rewatch all the originals and Sarah has no interest in it. So I was going to. Maybe wait till the cheap theater, but now I'm gonna. I go can't see imagine it on my week off in any way, shape, or form that Sarah would I have, have a good time. I, this I, film, I would. Honestly. She's just that. I would have. Well, it's it's pretty violent too. Yeah, I would have waited myself if it hadn't been for that 99 percent rating and every and every every other feed on my news feed on well, I've, Facebook I've was bad about it, was period. great stuff, and I was like. All right, I got to see this before we record. So I, I felt a little bad Friday morning because I was kind of force shoveling it down everybody's throat on Facebook. I was going, "Oh, here's another article about it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what this says. Oh, here's something else. Um, well, that's another thing that scared me because if Sean likes it, I usually don't. So. <laughs> well, then I'm bound to love it because both of you. Like <laughs> so. Every great blue moon, we get to have one in common, but um, still and, not all excited about Jurassic World, though. Seeing that trailer again. The new trailer made me excited for it. I'm still excited. I mean, I was I was excited to begin with, but the Very new, the new trailer it. was like, oh, okay, cool. The kids are jazzed to see it, so we'll see it when it comes. And it's out. got Star Lord, man. <laughs> oh, I like um, Chris Pratt. Um, but yeah, and I think eighty to ninety percent of it is practical. Yeah, yeah. That's not what I saw, a lot of digital. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw it. somewhere ninety. 92% of those yeah. effects. Wow. I mean, they, they used them, like the storm, obviously, and some of the stuff you see in the trailers. Like, okay, well, that's it. Well, all the vehicles, yeah. all the stunts, oh, all yeah. the explosions. The two-headed lizard. Them. I can say that because it's There's a the very lizard. beginning of the film. <laughs> two-headed lizard. It was definitely. They didn't go find an actual two-headed lizard? No, definitely. Uh, but I, I loved the world building that he did with it, and just it really felt well, like it, there's so much more. like But it's, it's architecture, the pieces of how all yeah, this stuff works. But it's still, like, the whole man. movie is is an all-encompassing story. And that's what I liked about it, is I didn't have to, there were no callbacks, but there were subtle winks and nods. There was no, I mean, it was all this one confined story. I didn't have to, I didn't have to concentrate on A plots or B plots. Or, or obviously, I had to concentrate on A plot. <laughs> I didn't concentrate on B plot or C plot or or subtleties, or, or just you know, little nuances. I use just the all straightforward. No, it was all no, straightforward. There's no, there's no subtle. Even the the, yeah, the, the production design even went so far as you know when 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 the war rig, which what a great name, pulls out. You've seen the truck in the previous ones. There's a tanker. There's always a tanker truck that yeah, they've got to deal yeah. with at some point. This thing pulls out. They don't make black in this shade of black. This is a nightmare on wheels. This thing is just like, and I remember sitting in the theater going, "That's a scary truck." I mean, it's 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 just that the whole thing's intense, and it's like, okay, yeah. No, I, I, the production design on this was great. The Citadel was fantastic. The costume. I thought the the, uh, the tribe that lives out in the Badlands. I'll give anything away here either. Yeah. But their spiky cars with the really rust look. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. They looked rusted. Is that, is that what Beast is part of? No. No? Okay. Nope. <laughs> that took me about two-thirds of that movie to figure out who he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I automatic well, and I, I automatically default to skins because that's what I oh, first ever saw yeah. him on before he before I even saw. For uh, those that don't know, we're talking about Nick Holt. Yeah. Oh, the uh, the albino guy. Mm-hmm. Is, I well, know. one yeah. of them. He, one he, of them. He's not. None of them were albino. They were they, they, well, they yeah, were painted, I mean, but they were with a white. The wild boys, I think, is what they yeah. call them. Well, see, that's something else that I kind of I, I love the the, 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 the it's a self contained movie and it does all this, but it also in it, it could raise these questions because they they talk about the fact that they're the half life tribe and it's like okay, so are they half life tribe because they're all irradiated and that's why they're a bunch of albinos, or are they half life tribe because they're not expected to make it? <laughs> you can go either <laughs> way I think with it. Do it. with him being like, albino, they painted themselves. They, eh. You saw them blowing the powder off. Well, that was different though. They had the chrome look when they. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, well, when, when, uh, oh, uh, Joe, Joe, is that the guy's name? Emote and Joe. Whatever. And then by the end of the film, Tom Holt, his powder paint is practically gone. He's got pink skin. Right, I mean, right. he's pretty white. I mean, you get the impression. He's pale. He's pale. Yeah. He's, he, well, and, and you get the impression that because of something that happens in the movie or a necessity that they need in the film, that they are pale for, for a reason. But hmm. that, that's probably what you're alluding to. They're albinos. <laughs> they need blood bags. I can say that. <laughs> wow. Everything about that movie rocked. And then that, <laughs> rocked and that, so and Let then me that, know when you're ready to go. I might just bail. Okay. Okay. And then that uh, comes full circle, too. I know. That's so, oh, so good. There's not a throwaway. No. <laughs> you know. Everything comes and, back and on itself. Things make sense. Things, you know, the, the, the practicality of it, that they do stuff, and then they have to, it's like, okay, yeah. I mean... <laughs> You know, so there's no well. Dubacks were put there for whimsy. You don't get oh, any yeah, of that. Nothing, this is, nothing all, is in there for whimsy. Yeah, it's it's you all. You gotta appreciate a filmmaker who can make sure every there's no wasted anything. I will say, I think they uh, they made a misstep on the marketing campaign. I really think they should have said from George Miller, the director of Happy Feet and Babe Pig in the City, <laughs> and Babe Pig in the City <laughs> comes Mad Max. Fear you know, we should have seen that coming though that he was going to start doing those kind of films. After Thunderdome. <laughs> I rewatched that the other night and I went, wow. <laughs> I don't remember this one being so kid-friendly. <laughs> the PG-13 rating. Yeah. Two men enter, one man leaves. Did you guys watch any other movies? Oh, there may have didn't. been another movie in there. It's kind of completely overshadowed by it's Fury Road. We got a week. couple movies in uh, between moving. Or between packing. Uh, well, I... Watched after finishing Netflix's Daredevil, I decided to go and watch the movie because I'd never actually seen it before. <laughs> and it's not great, but it's not horrible. No, it's yeah. not as bad as everybody. There, there's a lot of the the action's a bit over the top. There's some stuff that I'm like, I know he has superhero abilities, but I question him being able to do that. <laughs> Like uh, leapfrogging between buildings, and as he crawls up to the ceiling, <laughs> uh, to the no, because there's some of that even in the they're not the Netflix Daredevil. Maybe not to the extent, but some. Yeah, of but the, it's more parkourish in the yeah, the in, series, and this, this it's is a little more supernatural. You can tell it's yeah. a bit more wire work used yeah. in this. Well, there's a lot of wire work used <laughs> in the movie. Um, it was the '90s. Yeah, and the horrible soundtrack, the horrible <laughs> soundtrack of new metal. But there's a lot of good stuff. John Favreau is fro- foggy is fantastic. He was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, well, I think uh, and Bull- I think Bullseye was Bullseye. Good. Bullseye was very enjoyable, if not chewy uh, scenery chewing. Well, I think he needed to be. Yeah, uh, In that the film. That's the only scenery chewing <sighs> villain that I. <laughs> the only. 
the downside of the movie is you don't let Fisk breathe to be a bad guy. I mean, his thing is he's the gang boss of this area, and he wants to stay that way. So there's no character, there's nothing. He's just the bad guy because he's the bad guy. Bullseye gets more character development than Fisk, and Fisk is the big bad. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, uh, you make a huge kind of a misstep there. And then the Electra stuff's kind of meh for me. I, I thought the visualization of his abilities was kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. Especially, have you have you seen it? You mm-hmm. saw the original. I've not seen the director's cut, but I've seen the Especially that scene the on the roof where he talks about hearing every single bit of rain, drop, rain fall and hit every surface. And then that's how he can see. That was really well done, I thought. I really like that aspect of it. Uh, then we watched Jersey Boys. That was okay. The story of the Four Seasons. Oh, yeah, okay. I know it sounded familiar. I had to to place it. Uh, That's in my queue on HBO now if it hasn't fallen out already. It's it's pretty good. The first hour's a bit dry, mostly because it's from one of the guys' perspective who's a... (laughs) (laughs) And then it gets the songs I know, and it switches... (laughs) (laughs) You said the A word. It's okay. That's an acceptable one on TV. <laughs> I never stray too far from what you can hear on primetime TV. On prime time all the time. It's not like there I are broke worse, out Carlin's are, seven words that you're not supposed to say. There are worse words I could call Tommy, well, and he would deserve them. Now it'll be edited, because we <laughs> called too much attention to it. <laughs> I'm just curious for future notice. I, uh, now I know, too. I want to know, do I need He's to, a big jerk. Do I need should, to drop You shouldn't use the A word, either, but I was going to let that one slip. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, but it's, the first hour is rather slow, and then it starts picking up. Uh, very fascinating. I didn't know a lot about the Four Seasons or, uh, Tommy Valley. Tommy Frankie. Valley? Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley. Um, so it was really interesting. It's the guy, the guy who plays Frankie is the guy from, who won the Tony on Broadway. So he does a really good job with it. And uh, there's more of their songs than I realized. Once they actually got to the songs I realized, recognized. But it's it's definitely worth seeing, especially if you're a fan of the Four Seasons. Going into them, knowing only a couple of their songs, it was kind of meandering for me a little bit. But hmm. overall, it's pretty good. I'm a sucker for those 50s and 60s uh, musical kind of things. Did you ever see Beyond the Sea? Beyond the Sea. Yes. I think yes. that has <clears throat> much more rewatchability. Bobby Darren. Bobby Darren. <laughs> So we get Tommy in. <laughs> we watched, and Sarah wasn't as impressed with Jersey Boys either. So we watched uh, Masters of the Universe, <laughs> the Dolph Lundgren, the Dolph Lundgren yeah. one. We've kind of been on Any an eighties kick. Just eighties. Oh, we did Mad Max. So you know, I was like, the eighties are back, man, in a big way. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't remember what called it up. Something about I made I made a Masters of the Universe joke, and Mel's like, I've never seen. It. I was like. Oh. What? How could you not have seen Masters? So I promptly went out and bought a copy. <laughs> it was five ninety nine at work. I was like, I'll totally pay five ninety nine. Is it a good movie? No, it's a piece of junk, but it's totally worth five bucks. So we watched it. It's tonight. been a long time since I've seen that one. And this is the, what's strange is this is coming right off the heels of Firewalker, which we watched. You remember Firewalker? Yeah, you know you remember Firewalker. Yep. You probably Keith. I don't, I don't think remember you remember Firewalker. Lou Gossett Jr. and Chuck it's Norris. A, it's a um, Alan Quartermain. Isn't it? Eh, in the vein of, I guess, but it's yeah. As a kid, Firewalker was the greatest movie ever. It was on <laughs> HBO every night. 
and you know these two guys and they go out adventuring and digging up treasures and they don't normally get and uh, Chuck Norris and Lou Gossett Jr. actually have really good chemistry when they're on screen together and the love interest is Melody Anderson who played Dale from Flash Gordon so it was an automatic in for me there right <laughs> and we got a copy and it worked and I went <gasps> and I bought it <laughs> we're gonna watch we're gonna watch Firework on Blu-ray oh my god and we got home and got the popcorn and booted it up and Wow. It doesn't you, hold up as you well. You can't go home again. <laughs> <laughs> the movie tries really, really hard to it, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It doesn't want it doesn't know if it wants to be an Indiana Jones Alan Quartermain adventure or if it wants to be kind of a romancing the stone comedy or if it's a I mean, it, it's all over the map. It really uh, has no... And I, like I said, as a kid, man, this was the greatest <laughs> thing ever. And uh, afterwards, I, I... Max Donegan, that was his name. Yeah. Yeah. I took it back to work and sold it back to him. Oh, like, wow. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Been down that road now. I don't need to do that. <laughs> but... Um, mm-hmm. Mel, Mel, Mel's review was like, you liked this? Like, Once upon a time, I did, yeah. Did she like uh, Masters of the Universe? She said that was worth five bucks. <laughs> that was kind of the extent <laughs> of her review on that one. The other one that we watched was Super 8. Which had was, you seen it? I had not. You hadn't seen it? You hadn't seen it at all. I just had oh. never gotten around to it. Okay. And? Uh, I enjoyed it. It was really well done. It was on Netflix for a long time. I know, time. and it was in my queue for the entire time. <laughs> I kept going, I need to watch that. And Sarah was always, yeah, I would like to see that. And I was like, okay, I'll wait and we'll watch it sometime. And we never did. Finally, we did. Um, Sarah thought it was really weird. <laughs> I thought it was a great blend of J.J. and Spielberg. It has very much, I could see what you what you guys meant, that had that Spielberg 80s fun Felt film. like it was made But, but there was a bit more weight to it, I thought. Just a bit more serious, maybe. The characters, I thought, most of them had great uh, motivation for doing everything they, they mm-hmm. did in the movie. That I did not expect. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was you're totally uh, Chuck. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Production value. <laughs> yeah, that got a real train, baby. <laughs> I thought that to myself, and actually in the theater, it's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd highly recommend it uh, if. And if my mom hasn't seen it, I'm going to highly recommend it to her because she would love it. I'm I'm weighing on if I want to own it because I don't know how much I'd rewatch it, but I really enjoyed it. And I come down kind of in the middle between you two on the packaging. <laughs> because they had this big argument between Glenn really liked the original Blu-ray packaging because it looked like a Super 8 box. Sean liked the, the steel book that had the Drew Struzan artwork. Drew Struzan-esque. Yeah, esque artwork. And it, it just, if, I'm t- by the, if it weren't for the end scenes during the credits of showing the actual movie that they shot, <laughs> I'd be more inclined to go with Drew Struzan-esque because it drops the movie part of it about halfway through and then continues on with the adventure. And, but then it just brings it back full circle. So, I'm kind of in between. I like I like both now that I've seen the movie. Straddling the line. <laughs> Very diplomatic of you. Yes. 
You didn't watch anything else, Glenn? Uh, just caught up on shows. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finale was phenomenal. Yeah, it was. It rolled. We got another uh, lost hand joke, dude. <laughs> 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 it's not really a joke, but Ooh, it man. feeds into that whole lost hand. All, all oh, of the Phase 2 Star films Wars phase now two have stuff. those. Somebody lose an arm or a hand. In a very most dramatic way. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited to see what they do in season two. It and I watched like the finale of Arrow this week, too. So I'm caught up. The, I'm caught up with Flash. Flash, so did, Flash so felt it, like a season from the finale. It sure did. We got another so season. did it make sense of how the... the, the no, it, it still didn't work, but I was fine with it. They, <laughs> they it, it was very comic book-esque how... These uh, characters would show up here because the plot needs it. The plot needed it. Yeah, I mean, was, <laughs> uh, at least fortunately, he he. They, it's at least alluded to when he shows up and he has the um, dark black with the kind of I don't know beaded, but it's studded. The uh, uh, outfit. He says, "Oh, you've lost of, the green." The huh? League of Assassins. The League of Assassins outfit. Yeah. outfit. It makes that's what they, they they try to fix it that way. So I was fine with that. Yeah. They at least acknowledged it. So, so it's it's more it was more of a flash issue than an arrow issue. For you, well, the arrow, the the, the, the arrow problem, episode. Yeah, the problem I had with Flash. <laughs> yeah, it's more of an no. It, the problem I had with the Flash and Arrow was there's a there's a line dropped in Arrow or in Flash where he says, you know, if I I, I may need a favor from you, and Barry says, sure, anything. Yeah, that's in Flash. Yeah, yeah. So that comes to fruition in Arrow, but uh, my. <laughs> My whole thought with I, I always love the Flash crossover, and I and I said this last time they did this is, is is Barry is very much more comic book Barry Allen when he's on Arrow. Somehow they know how to write the character, and I'm okay. fine with the way that Barry is yeah, on the Flash be because that's the character game. they've they've yeah. they've developed. But the Flash shows up, takes care of what he needs to take care of, and then takes off. So he's only in the first you know two minutes of the show. Oh. <laughs> the problem is, the Arrow problem I have now. with it is is. If the Flash had just stuck around, they wouldn't have needed it. Well, he's still finale of Arrow because he he could have just taken care of a lot of things. So that was a bit. It felt gimmicky. Well, he had stuff to get back to in uh, Central City. Apparently, so. now whatever happens this week. So. Yeah, I mean, the plot's in the not, actual the finale, plot's of- not resolved yet. It was, there's still a big showdown to go. You what? could have left that though, the way it was. And picked up next season. It, it so could have been a, oh, yeah. se- a season finale. Really One of the problems in, inherent with superpowers, we, we had a discussion with um, with the Avengers coming out about the fact that I liked um, the uh, Fox version of Quicksilver better than the movie. And uh, I was actually talking to Odd Duck Phil, and he says, yeah, but that's actually one of the problems in and of itself with that film, because he finally got around to watching Days of Future Past. I said, oh. what's that? And he says, well... Quicksilver's arguably the most powerful guy that the, they have on the team at that point, and they don't take him. Yep. To you know, it's like, what do we got to do? We got to save Trask. <laughs> Whoosh, pick him up, and he's gone. That's, I that's, think that's, know, that would have been it. There's no, no movie. That. That's the problem with a speedster. Um, yeah. but luckily, the Avengers, I think, played it right, and it's probably beneficial that, again, if you haven't seen Avengers, I'm about to spoil something, but, <laughs> that they take care of the Quicksilver. Issue. In Avengers, you notice take care of him. You notice in Avengers, he gets wounded. Yeah, Josh a held a gun more. to his head, fired it. I'm. <laughs> I think that's an adequate descriptor. 
Flash doesn't seem to get as winded as Pedro did in Avengers. Yeah, doesn't didn't get, doesn't seem to get the stitch in his side. Like, so it it seems like they they just utilize his abilities slightly differently in Avengers also. Yeah, he's still dealing with a uh, a, a huge old metabolism. Mm-hmm. Well, they they tackled that early. Pancakes in, and well, they tackled that early in the season. And they haven't done anything. Yeah, about they it, really so. haven't brought it back up. Other than the repeated fact. Other than in Arrow with. when he. Asks everybody what they want because he's starving because he ran all the way to Sterling City. <laughs> I'm still waiting to get to my crossover on air, my Arrow Watch. So. You're getting there. You're getting there. You're yeah, there. I just got the uh, Felicity backstory episode. So that was, was pretty good. interesting. Yeah, it was I interesting. Surprise egg out of me. Okay, uh, what do we got news? News. Well, we've made reference to and talked about before... Titan is doing a four doc or a, a multi doctor comic event. Three doctors. No, oh, they've revealed it's going to be a four doctor story. Ooh. So are we ready to get nine or the war doctor? War doctor. Oh. All right. I'd rather have nine. The war doctor works in Day of the, Day of the doctor. doctor and as his own story, but I that almost. I'll have to see what they do with it. That almost yeah. feels like a cheat. Well, in, in Paul Cornell, we trust. He's usually been pretty reliable. Until he wrote that last story for... Uh, uh, who, was, who had them before? Um, oh, I, ADW? I yeah, liked ADW. that one. I liked that yeah. one, too. You're it didn't work there. as a Doctor Who story, but it worked as a fan letter. A letter to the fans. I can compartmentalize it as it's <laughs> not... <laughs> Elseworlds. Yeah, it's Elseworlds. Oh, yeah, it's totally not canon, but it was still good. <laughs> it was still a good story. It launches August 12th. August 12th. Is it a uh, multi-issue arc, or is it a standalone it is a a multi- trade? Or? It is a multi-issue arc, five-part weekly event. So all the other lines are going to come to a screeching halt, or they're going to wrap their seasons, one of the two, and start with this August 12th. Run for five weeks, and then at some other points, the other lines will pick back up. It would be really interesting. I don't know. Sounds like a lead-up to the series returning, too. In, yeah. in my, my humble opinion, if it were me, I think it would be really awesome if you came up with the idea that we wanted to do this, and you told all the writers on the other lines, okay, do whatever you need to do, but you have to be wrapped up by this point, because the last panel of this, this comic... Is needs to set up the everybody showing up at the same time, and you do that from each that would each, be, each line. That you cool. get to the last page, really that the door opens. It won't happen, but that'll be cool. Uh, that's how I do it. But you know, <laughs> you never know. They've been working on this. So, speaking of the show returning, apparently Moffat said he's going to return again for season ten. For season awesome. ten, the exact quote he gave. Well, it's not, I don't think he gave a quote. Uh, <laughs> in a brief interview with Wales Online, uh, the article con- concludes with, Having just signed up for another year of Doctor Who and with an ongoing success of Sherlock, Moffat is in place in the TARDIS of broadcasting in Wales, looks secure. And for that, we can be really grateful. Yay. So it's not an official word. They could be speaking out of turn and saying, well, the one... the." Season for the the year is the one yet to off broadcast. I'm pretty sure it's season ten. I think I yeah. I'm pretty sure that's, that's how that's how the uh, clickbait sites are reading. Oh yeah, I'm just giving that <laughs> grain of salt. 
yeah. that you wanted. <laughs> I, if you're not a Moffat fan, here's your out. I tell you, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm actually I was a little dismayed by that news because I was kind of ready for him to be done with nine and let's get some fresh blood in there and, and change things up again. I'd like to see something, some new ideas. I think Moffat, while he's still been telling some very good stories, and I think season nine was phenomenal. I think that the, the storytelling style's gotten a little stale. And so I'm ready to get somebody else in there and, and see what they can do with the series. I, th- I think but. some of season nine is going to feel very different than what's come before. From what, from what, we, from what I've read. Or season and, eight. Oh, I enjoyed yeah, season eight. I said season, season nine. I meant season eight. I, I think tonally it's going to be similar to season eight, but it's going to feel very different. Well, and in... From what I've seen online, we we all stand, you know, in Moffat we trust, and that we're, we're we're kind of fanboys in that regard. I have to agree to a certain extent with some of the people that are not necessarily in the manner in which they're complaining, but the fact that they're complaining about that he doesn't seem to have the same multitasking ability that RTD had. By when RTD went off and he was doing Doctor Who, and he went off and did Sarah Jane, and he went off and did. Torchwood, and all three of those were running concurrently, and he was contributing episodes to all of them while still, you know, taking care of business at home. Moffat's got Sherlock going on, and it seems like he can't quite juggle the the, the, the pair of them because we've got long hiatuses on one. Sherlock is the one that almost suffers more because of him not being able to juggle. Yeah, I mean, it it seems like almost that we've, we've got a lot more loose ends than what I think maybe we're accustomed to. If Sherlock's Sherlock. on, yeah. and in order to not get that, we have to have a hiatus on Sherlock. So I'm kind of in that same boat. Was like, well, yeah, that's maybe that's it. Maybe I'm ready for somebody that will just focus on Doctor Who. And yeah, maybe. So I can see it both ways. I mean, I'm excited to have him back because you know I like the direction we've been. But I'm with you where I wouldn't mind seeing something new announced. I think also what I really liked was how. <clears throat> This came. This benefited with a new showrunner and new actors, but I kind of like how after Russell T. Davis stepped out and Moffat stepped in, the show kind of took this dynamic shift and and felt new and fresh and and brand new. And again, that helped that Matt Smith came on board at that time. Yeah. Karen Gillan came on board at that time, so he had a new Doctor, new companion. But um, while I think that that again, season eight was fantastic, and I thought. Uh, Peter Capaldi just really, really picked up and ran with it. There was still a lot of Moffat's stamp on it. And so it sort of felt like when Tenet picked up in the middle of Russell T. Davis, it still felt like the same show. Well, this still feels like the same show. So I kind of would like to see. I think it would be really hard to do a a change-up like that without completely doing a full changeover like we got. Yeah, I think it'd be hard to have a, a doctor would, transition that do that change. Certainly more difficult. Yeah, they would ease into it a little bit more. I think uh, that way, not to just suddenly, oh wow, what's this is not the same thing I was. You go into eleventh hour, knowing it's at least a new doctor, and if you know anything about the background, it's a new showrunner, and you expect the, the tonal difference and yeah. the change and the feel. It's harder if tonally the show had been very different between. Uh, Eccleston and Tenet. And if you put yourself in a showrunner's shoes, you know, from that standpoint, is that there's probably a little more difficulty and trepidation in coming into a show that's not changing the Doctor or the Companion, and that you're you're kind of expected to carry over with what was set up, you know, from the previous regime. 
and kind of deal with that baggage, even though you're trying to put your own mark on the show versus where Moffat came in and kind of got the opportunity to go, here you go. You know, it's, I mean, obviously you still got to live up to the history of it, but you, but it's you, easier. It's a little easier for the actor to come in and when you're changing doctors, but the showrunner, because you get to put your actor stamp and right. changes to the character. But yeah, like you're saying, showrunner wise, it's a little harder. But yeah, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? That's it. That's all I have for news. Well, there's one more. Okay, Sean has a piece. Uh, for those who didn't hear, Gallifrey 1 did sell out, uh, which we expected, and it did, uh, for next year, as well as the hotel block sold out. Uh, the Marriott LAX sold out in less than two minutes. Not just the Gallifrey 1 block, but the entire hotel sold out in less than two minutes. <laughs> wow. So that's over a 1,000 rooms that were booked in a two-minute time span. So if you were fortunate enough to get tickets to Galley, uh, yes, there's a host of other hotels in the area. It's very dense. <laughs> there's a lot of rooms available. Don't panic. And uh, let us know if you were able to go. We are not in attendance this year or next year uh, as we have other fish to fry, we hope. Um, but good luck to uh, those of you that are going. That was the only piece that I had. And uh, did you hear, did Mitch get... Did I haven't hear, heard. I don't know if anybody... She I don't might know if have, any of our group got She it. might have a floor available since, to sleep on since Sean and Mel will be. All right. Let's move on. Feedback. Before <laughs> going the tip of the week this week because we don't, we don't have, have one. one so. <laughs> I thought before we did feedback, we should do our comic giveaways. Oh, yeah. We still have two available. I've only gotten two. We've got, we have, we have three. three. Oh, do we have three now? Have I didn't three. see the third one come in then. We have one available. We now. have one available. Holly, Ben, and Chrissy. Chrissy. Holly, Ben, and Chrissy. assured comics. You are assured a comic. If anybody else would like one, I have one left. So write us a feedback and say free comic, please. First one gets it. Go. Well, they're already coming in. Look. Oh, look at that. Sorry. <laughs> and that's your Doctor Who legacy. <laughs> Tip of the week. All right. Let's move on to feedback. First up in feedback, Dan. Dan writes another last-minute feedback. Hello, Vortex Gents. On our last podcast, you mentioned the news of the Zygon and Iowa's good return. We're speculating on whether Osgood had come back from the dead or if this was just a timey-wimey thing. I'm assuming the latter. If you turn your attention back to the 50th anniversary episode, Day of the Doctor, when Kate Stewart or Zygon clone led Clara into Unit's hidden vault, now complete with convenient memory wipes, Kate mentioned that Clara had been there before. Photos of Clara in the vault were pinned to a noteboard to emphasize that point. Ooh. Now I'm sure fandom wasn't... Now I know fandom wasn't sure what to do with this loose thread. Is it a misadventure for a misadventure for big finish, big finish, or a book, or will we see this again uh, referred to later on? Again, I'll assume the latter now, allowing Twelve and Clara to go back to visit Kate and Osgood before the Missy Cyberman mess. The production's continuity is maintained. We'll see evidence of this if Clara's costume outfit in the unit photo matches what she'll wear in the upcoming season's episode. What can I say? It was a quiet night after work, after listening to your podcast, and my imagination fast-forwarded again. <laughs> and now, your thoughts. What do you guys think? Are we going to see that other adventure? I think it would be really cool, and, and totally within Moffat's 
paintbrush to do that something like that, I don't think we will. I don't think so. Either. I, 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 especially with the new photos that have gone out and been posted this week. I haven't um, seen phone, any photos of Clara in those. Uh, not of Clara, but of, of Osgood. It, yeah. it makes me think that this is not a, a timey wimey thing. That this is a future um, thing. I guess we'll find out. It'd be really neat if he did. Yeah. Like I said, I think it'd be cool. I always just assumed, because it seemed the doctor knew about everything down there, and I just assumed she didn't remember because it was the mind wipes stuff. Well, it's one of those things that I think, we, and we talked a little bit about this with continuity, is you know the timeline you know, as, as fans, that we want to be able to dot the I's and cross the T's of all this kind of stuff. But there, Doctor Who's very much a show built on the, I'll explain later, and then not. So a throwaway line like, oh, you were here before... Could just be a throwaway line. Oh yeah, you know. <laughs> well, and they, they they provided the the method of why she wouldn't remember and why we needed that exposition too. Right. So so it's it's not just the guards. It's you too were a victim oh, yeah. of this. Aha! And it makes the unit a little more nefarious and everything. But at the end of the day, it could still be just a throwaway line. On the other hand, yeah, you could totally sandwich an episode in there, and yeah, especially if, as Moffat has stated, we are going to get the explanation for why Capaldi has that face and possibly revisiting Vesuvius. Maybe he's, maybe we're going to travel backwards through the whole season. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? He continues. Who knows? <laughs> Glenn is without opinion. I'm kind of agree with you guys. So there's nothing really going to add. Uh, Dan concludes. Side note: My daughter and I attended Free Comic Book Day in Bloomington, Illinois. That was a busy little campus comic shop. We still haven't read everything we picked up, but we were both pleased to find a few copies of the free Doctor Who special still available. All our wallets are expecting to fully recover, eventually. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. Dan and Lexi in Central Illinois. Dan, you didn't have to pay for them. That's why they call it Free Comic Book Day. I think that comic book, or comic book store ripped you off, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep doing your thing, Dan. <laughs> Our last bit of feedback comes from Chrissy. <clears throat> Who writes, Pigs mating with rhinos. Dear Vortex Boys, All I've got this week is review stuff, so I'll get into it, and since these two are connected, it makes sense to review them together. When I started Trail of the White Worm... I thought my download had gotten messed up because it felt like I was being dropped into the story in the middle. But the story did a good job of catching me up on what had already been happening, which is a good thing because there was a lot of story to cover. The story structure actually reminds me of a Stephen Moffat two-parter like The Pandorica Opens the Big Bang or Dark Water Death in Heaven, where the two parts are connected, but they're vastly different from each other. White Worm is more about... What's her name? Demens Furs. I'd be okay. Demens Furs. I would not have expected that to be spelled that way. I'm sure Chrissy's right. It's just looking weird at me now that I'm staring at it. And how she is this legendary creature from Roman times. And then you have the Osidon Adventure, which is about the Master and the Crawls with bonus androids and seriously over-the-top local guy pining for the good old days and bemoaning how Great Britain has changed. <laughs> good grief. What was up with that guy? I kept expecting him to be an android. He was so unrealistic. Leela had some really great moments, and you can tell Tom Baker's having the time of his life playing the Fourth Doctor again. And quite honestly, Jeffrey Beavers is probably my favorite version of the Master when I hear him in these audios. 
Anyway, lots of fun. Great stories, good times. I have to cut this short. I'm doing some birthday stuff this evening, so I have to head out. Hope everyone has a good week, and I'll talk to you all later. Chrissy. And happy birthday, Chrissy. Happy birthday. belated birthday, Chrissy. Happy. Yeah, it's yes, belated, belated now. Birthday. It was uh, Sunday? Uh, yeah, it was Sunday this, this week, yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> well, two days ago now. There we go dating ourselves. <laughs> and that's it for feedback. Time to move on to our reviews. Trail of the White Worm. The legend dates back to Roman times. At least the great white worm, as white as a man, slithers out of the rocks at the dark peak gap to take animals, sometimes even children, for its food. When the Doctor and Leela arrive in the wilds of Derbyshire, only to get caught up in the hunt for a missing girl, they soon discover that the legend of the worm is very much alive, even now, in 1979. Where still, it seems the Doctor isn't the only renegade Time Lord on the trail of this deadly and mysterious worm. Dun, dun, dun! dun. Chrissy hits the nail on the head with the it feels... They're connected, but they are very da- mm-hmm. drastically different stories. I like that one leads into the other, but still having those, yeah, the different footprint of type of story that they are and, yeah. and different location all the way down to actually going to a side, <laughs> leaping through the wormhole. Um, a lot of different casts, yeah. too. Only a few carryovers. Well, the master, the colonel, and uh, the doctor and Leela. Because yeah. the worm's not even there at the end of Yeah, it's gone by that point. And we don't get any of the crawls in the first part. Which, <laughs> because, so I'm listening to the first part. It's Trail of the White Worm. And there's actually a worm. And it's like, oh, okay, it's a bug hunt. All right, I'm with you. It's, it's, that it's not a worm, though. But, well, it's, it's, a, it's worm. a worm. It's a wet them. Um, okay, so we're going to do that episode. Okay, cool. I'm listening. I loved the colonel. The colonel was off his rocker. Yeah. <laughs> and at first I thought he was annoying, but the more he was off his rocker, the more I began to just go, yes. What is this guy going to do next? I want more of this guy. This guy needs a whole series. Uh, just just uh, give him a show. Give him a show of his own and let him show up and do things. And that would be, you know, I would listen to the hell out of that. I just, oh, my God, he was so fun. Um, and so the doctor, and he's doing his thing, and Leela's doing her thing, and then the master shows up and can't convert anybody, which initially I thought was, was you know, kind of <laughs> cool. it was fun and campy. You know, yeah. the, just the, the hypnosis isn't working. He's like, all right. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> not, it's, it's pretty subtle, though, because... Uh, it's just Leela. Leela, yeah. when he chimps on Leela, she slaps him. So you kind of think, okay, well, she just she's interrupted up the process. She's picked it up in his her travelings with the doctor. Oh, I didn't even get that. Well, I just got the impression of I... she just slapped him. She knew what he was trying to do, at least. Because so. this would have been her yeah. first yeah. Her, her first encounter, her first with, encounter with him. But. Well, her only. Uh, well, to, that we're aware of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's more big finish. Because there's no televised stories Who with knows? them. <laughs> Who knows? Um and so, you know, it's just, you know, it was really fun. And then we kind of get to the reveal that you clearly don't. Because <laughs> if you did, you would have paired this with uh, um, 
Android, Android Evasion uh, instead of. <laughs> I'm getting Deadly to. Assassin. I'm getting to that. I think I felt. I felt with Jared very justified doing it with Deadly Assassin when oh, we get just the name because drop of the about, one name drop about <laughs> the last that. time. It's like, oh I, yeah, chronologically, this is right. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, but you completely destroyed us doing any sort of uh, adversary archive on the crawls. Now I did that. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't either, and I, I thought as I listened to it, I thought, "Oh, well, that's unfortunate. We could have made this an adversary archive this week." So we're going into the. Yeah, I knew the master was in it. That's why I paired it up with Deadly Assassin. I was like, just, "Okay." You went master, master. Okay. So then we get to the second part. You didn't and even pair it up with the right Beavers master, though. Oh, Sidon. Well, can, we can't do that one yet. I know. <laughs> so. Osiden, oh, Osiden, oh, Osiden. Oh, Why does that? You now, th- this is how bad it is. You guys know I'm, I've been mentally blocked on this title all since the schedule came out. It was yeah, wrong. Right. Like it doesn't exist. And I'm like, la, 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 la. And nothing. It was his mental yeah, trying to avoid spoilers. Apparently, for because then Strax shows up and he's all like, ah, we're going to go and do this. And I'm like, why are the Sontaran? They're not describing a Sontaran, though. A pig and a rat. What is it? <laughs> And I went from here to like way <laughs> up here because it was like it's the with the thing and the yay. And then the story kind of meandered through so many different android duplicates of I, I lost count, I lost track. <laughs> I, I thought it it got muddled. We should you should have rev- uh, read both synopses. Since we're I got, reviewing I got the other both, one right. Go ahead, like, go ahead and read the other one. Reviewing <laughs> both of these together, I almost made you do it, and I, and I backed off, thinking, "Well, there's two so they're two such different styles of stories. I can't imagine we would." No, we did. <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> Credit where credits due. I screwed it up and derailed it. So let's, yeah, go ahead and read the second. Uh, the first time the fearsome crawls attempted to take over the Earth with the help of their android agents, things didn't quite. Didn't go quite according to plan, thanks to the time-traveling alien doctor and his aliens at, er, allies at unit. This time, Marshal Grinwall and his belligerent cohorts are ready for them. This time, they'll make no mistakes. This time, Chief Scientist Twinwarg has not just one plan, but a backup plan and a backup backup plan just worked out. When the doctor... A prisoner on the crawl's radiation-blasted home planet of Asiden. His only companion, Leela, can only his companion Leela can save the day alongside a most unlikely ally. Dun dun dun! I guess I'm a little more enthusiastic. Really? Than okay. I like this version. I like this part of the story better. Yeah, what, first what, one was good, but Trail of the White Worm was very enjoyable, and it. <laughs> Was really more of a story to build to how the master. That's was exactly make a what worm. it was. Is the first story is a setup story. It introduces the worm and introduces a vehicle to get to Osiden. That's it. Yeah, that's all. That's all there is. And the master's servant. Yeah, pretty much yeah, the colonel. <laughs> Which I loved the fact that the master just kept calling him Spindle- Simpleton. <laughs> Simpleton, and he keeps correcting it's Spindleton. I know. They had great chemistry. They together. did. They really did. Really, that's when you really, really realize that had Jeff great chemistry with everybody. That's why you realize that uh, the colonel's really whacked out of his gourd by this point <laughs> because it's like you're you're just kind of thinking, okay, this is an eccentric old man in Trail of the White Worm, and then when you find out that he's he's been influenced by the master and he's kind of quasi following him because of the hypnosis, but more because he has this desire to return England to its glory days, then you're like. 
wow, this guy is really messed up. So it made him even more enjoyable, and I, that was another thing that led to me enjoying Osiden better is because I thought the character was really a, fleshed out at that point. He has point. a heli <laughs> <laughs> Lila was so great in this entire thing, both parts. Oh, yeah. I, I enjoyed her. She's been strong this entire she really season. Has. She yeah. really and has. And it's the little things, like heli or however she said that. <laughs> and there was something else she kept mispronouncing, too, that just made me chuckle and just made me enjoy. <laughs> it's just those little things that made me enjoy it so much more. And she takes out a tank. <laughs> Just by outrunning it. By, by, by outrunning <laughs> or it. Or outmaneuvering it. You're, 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 you're going to run say. out of gas. <laughs> no baseball bat needed here. No. Nope. Yeah. Just outmaneuvered it. I was. And then she turned it on him. <laughs> That's what I liked. <laughs> I'm going to fire it. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, come up here. <laughs> That's all right. No, no, come on. <laughs> I was truly surprised by the first reveal that, who is it, uh, Quinn Wong or whoever was actually the master. And then the fact, that surprised me. And then the fact that he was an android, I was just like, what? <laughs> I, I was just, and then. Oh, you were talking about the, the, the chief engineer or the whatever. The chief guy yeah. that he was yeah. masquerading yeah. as. Yeah. That's right. A scientist Which on I, You know, on the surface was like, whoa! That's, but then we that's break totally it down, it's like, he's always got whoa. a rubber mask on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. I think when you when you boil it down, that's what I liked about both of these stories, is it was very, it was very fan service. It was very much in line with the narrative of the fourth Doctor season, especially the 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 narrative of the master through the fourth doctor series when we had the decaying master we had the master of disguise we had the androids return we had the crawls return we had i mean it was just it was all of these wonderful little things that really cemented it and made it feel like a fourth doctor story yeah. and sometimes i think that's lazy but in this situation it was more of a okay you kept me guessing you kept I, I had no idea who was an android by the end time this thing was over. They just kept going, wait. And so then pretty soon you're suspecting anybody could be an android at any point. I think everybody was an android at some point except for the Colonel and Leela. Yeah. And it's just it, – it, it was it – was it was amassing the way they just kept reveal after reveal after reveal. just kept me going. So having all the familiarity of the quote-unquote tropes of Fourth Doctor – They had a good story to back it up. They had a great up. story to back it up, yeah. yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the premise. I just, I really feel like once they got to the point where they were pulling the rug out from under me so many times, I kind of gave up trying to keep track of who was who. I'm not convinced that the doctor that got in the TARDIS at the end is not an android at this point. <laughs> I really was like, mm, maybe. Um, I just, it just, it just felt a little like maybe because they were trying so hard to work within the confines of the fourth doctor trope that they had set up that maybe neither one of the stories was really given enough room. I think the first one, you're right. It's purely a setup to get to the second one. I think the first one had enough room, but I, I, I don't see any more story that they could have told. Well, but well, I, I kind of would have liked it a, so much into them. I would have liked a little bit better of a resolution than just, I invented a rain machine <laughs> trigger and now you've opened the portal and are dead. 
Yeah. The end. Yeah. Uh, that, that <laughs> had, it, had it not killed the worm, I would have wanted more of a resolution. Well, <laughs> and I, I think that was a intentional grab at Lair of the White Worm, which was written by Bram Stoker, in which the, mm, the worm lightning. dies from lightning as well. Yeah. I think that was an intentional some, – somebody went in that with a mindset going, okay, name and finale. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's almost one of those Doctor Who stories that is trying to explain a – Famous fictional piece yeah. of work. Yeah. The problem with that, though, is... With the Romans worshipping the worm. Yeah, yeah. It, it gives it that history that, well, maybe that Bram Stoker story was based off of this. Kind of like they did with the vampires, etc. Yeah. The problem is that the Master doesn't need the crawls at all. He's got a weather machine. He could conquer Earth with lightning. He he literally. We don't we don't know. We don't know how powerful it is. We don't. We're not given any of that. It's just it's it that that to me was the MacGuffin trope. That's like I've got this, and it's like okay, now what? <laughs> but, but I like I like the fact that it's, while that's kind of this grand reveal, but he's, because this is the setup story, the ultimate MacGuffin is the Z battery. I think that that's what I thought. Oh, yeah. uh, because yeah. we built to the Z battery, I thought that was. It was nice that we cast isn't... that weather machine aside, that we, we we cast the idea that he generated this lightning in order to destroy the worm so the worm could cre- or create the wormhole. I mean, it, that was fine. But once you introduced the real MacGuffin, it was, again, another layer. We, we've, we've pulled off the mask and revealed that, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the real master. It's an android. Well, it's not this particular device it's the you know it's just an avenue to get to the real device which is to get the z battery which is to it, it seems go back to the regeneration which that part i liked yeah. it was like okay cool so it's not just the master is not trying with, to take over the world it's right. him trying to regenerate and it, it this complex of a plot seems very in line mm-hmm. with this master yes especially agreed. coming off the heels of deadly assassin that's a complex plot he had to try to take down the Time Lords and the Doctor, and I still don't know if I well, fully understand what because, he was going after. Because Deadly Assassin is is very convoluted. That's yeah. the problem with Deadly it's Assassin. It's good, but it's is, complex. It tries really hard, but it doesn't quite get there. It it resolves satisfactorily, but it's just it's it's almost too interwoven. Whereas yeah. this one just continue instead of instead of weaving itself back, it just continues to drop. The, ne- the last thing and move on to the next thing. So it continues to move forward to the ultimate goal, which I thought played out much better. See, I, I think maybe that's my problem with it is I have kind of the same feeling for this one as I did for Frontier in Space, Planet of the Daleks, that I really mm-hmm. felt Frontier in Space was building towards something and then we dropped all of it so that we could go off and have this other adventure because that's the setup story for this one. Right. And going back and watching Frontier in Space as we did uh, how many months ago, relatively recently, by itself, and not doing it as part of that made me really enjoy that story better, but I still felt like there was a little, uh, I kind of wish that that had been, you know, I I want more of that. And so that's kind of where this one left off for me. It was just like, it's not that White Worm was bad. It wasn't. It was very good. I just wanted a little bit more. And then we jump over into the the crawl plot. You you guys know me. Android invasion! (laughs) I'm awesome. And they they go to the planet, and he's in the village talking about the way England used to be. And it's like, they rebuilt it, because that's exactly what, hey, you know, this is so cool. I got the impression the war memorial that he was setting the, or that he was there to, to set the bomb down to trigger is that is that monolith he was, that, to, that yeah. he was tied to an android invasion. Um, I think the only thing the only thing that bothered me about 
trail of the white worm that I felt was left unresolved was we, we set up a lot of these sub characters that they do end up, there were, there were far too many sub characters set up in the first one that did not carry over to the yeah, second and didn't one. Get resolved. Yeah. And, and no. That was, that was the biggest problem. The, the, the girl that was trying to run away and the boy that was charged with keeping an eye on her were carried over, but everything else was like, I wanted to know a little bit more about what was going on here. Did they carry over? I didn't think they did. Um, I didn't think they did. No, they. I'm sorry. They. They. they, they I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. They. They got some resolution at yeah, the end. Yeah, that's bit. what I meant. They could have carried over, but I mean, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is it's, it's rare. Well, they ran off and got the unit. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that was the had to go deliver the message. Had to go deliver the message. Um, and and nice. Uh, what was what was the? I felt like I was missing. Um, the whatever incursion was going on in Canada with telephone poles coming alive. Yeah, I feel like I that's something I should know, but don't. Was it, does anybody recognize it? No, I didn't. know. No, I, okay. I, I wondered the same thing too. I was so, like, is that an actual thing? It was happened? just. It was another way to put the brigadier. Yeah, off not, so that you and, and not in Geneva, <laughs> yeah, not in Geneva, and which not I, in South America. Which I thought was clever. Was it was yeah. like, oh, you're doing. Oh, but you're not. Okay. <laughs> I think by doing that, though, by sending him to these different locations, not on the moon either, but just sending him to all these different locations, I think it really kind of makes Unit more of a global police rather than just very UK centric, which it was in the television yeah, series. Yeah. 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 But, um, I don't, like I said, I just, I felt like, I felt like there was a gag that I missed <laughs> because I was, I, the mental filing cabinet flew up and I was going telephone poles, telephone poles, telephone. I got nothing. <laughs> Maybe the autons. I don't I know. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And the wiki doesn't mention anything. Okay. So it's, 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 it's just a really clever writer thing. They said, yeah, the, uh, telephone poles. Okay, cool. That sounds like a doctor who monster, doesn't it? A telephone pole tax people. Okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's almost, Ripe for setting up a story to get in a novel or something down the line. You know? Or maybe they knew that they're going to come back and revisit that later. Maybe the doctor's helping the brig in Canada <laughs> at One the of same time. A different incarnation. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> but yeah, it's normally we talk about how it could have benefited from a cut. These are both ones that I almost wish had been mainline stories with the fourth doctor that would have gone a full four parts for each one. I just, Oh yeah. Almost. Oh. I said, I love, I love the, the, the fourth doctor for the same reason. I love the eighth doctor. I love the quicker paced. Let's get in, tell all the story and get out. I, I, I really well, enjoy and, and that. The, They're much more digestible, I think in a way, but and with the fourth doctor, so many of his stories were four parts. So you kind of, you go in thinking, okay, this is going to be a four part story when it's only a two part. With, although in this case, well, it was well, still, technically it's it two, two and two, so it makes it four. It was four yeah. half-hour stories, so it's technically it technically is just perfect. a drastic turn in the middle. Yeah, but I, which I can't think of a single of his televi- televised stories that did that. Uh, not in the middle. Drastic in the middle. No, not in the middle. Um, invasion of time. Invasion yeah, of time, which is a four a to two. Two. Two to four. And then um, no, it's no, it is two to two. Yeah. And then the uh, Hand of Fear, which we talked about, which was three and then one off on its own. Well, even Android Invasion sort of, yeah, does. Yeah, it kind of does the same thing because so much of it is set here and then you get to Earth. (laughs) Set here on not Earth. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's not Earth? (laughs) 
I'll just come back to Leela as being one of the most enjoyable things about the story for me. Just everything she did in this. And her, her chemistry with the Master was so great. Even if it was an Android Master, it was... Oh, it well, just love makes the, me appreciate her as a character. I love the whole horse ride thing. And the only reason she takes the Master with him is because, well, you're a Time Lord, you can fly the TARDIS. <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah. they're riding on horseback. <laughs> My favorite part of the whole story was the horse, but um, they're, they're riding on horseback, and she's like, "Well, you know, there's another way," and she just charge into the hole. <laughs> they just charge into the black hole or the uh, uh, wormhole, and I thought that only Leela could do that oh, because, because anybody else would have thought they, there could be an element of danger here. You know, I know at least enough pseudoscience to know that you know wormholes can, can have. Just strange effects, or I mean, yeah, I read the jaunt by uh, uh, Stephen King. I read, you know, <laughs> all these things where there's this adverse reaction. Even in Star Trek, uh, the motion picture, when they go through the wormhole, it's not pleasant. And so she's charging a horse through there, unprotected. And I thought, okay, only Lelia, and they come out fine. <laughs> Did anybody else when she says, "Well, you can fly the TARDIS," and he says, "You're going to teach me how to fly the TARDIS," and I suddenly thought, oh. <gasps> Shaka Master, because <laughs> he's an android, and he's gonna. <laughs> I thought about it later when it was revealed that he was an android. Yeah, because we didn't know he was an android at that point. No, I guess that's true. We didn't. I put two and two together later. I guess, but I, that's what I did later. Is I thought, oh, so close. But no, nope. <laughs> we're still relying on Glenn to fix that one. <laughs> yeah, but I'm getting more fodder. <laughs> 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 now so my whole story will be a reference to everything you're, you're, else. <laughs> you'll no have, wonder the timeline was splintered. Your, 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 your short story will come with note cards. <laughs> Go reference this story. Then from this audio, we're going to pluck this thread. And then from here, we're going to do this. And these two form this thread. Anything else on these stories? <laughs> I, I, wanna, I feel like they're better than we're giving. We're talking about them. But I don't, don't want to bring everybody down on them. It's here's, not bad. Here's the I still thing, enjoyed Keith, it. They're here's enjoyable, the thing, so there's we nothing have, to pick apart. Well, we don't have. We have very few bad things to say yeah. about them. So that's. I mean, the the thing about re, about reviewing two full hour stories is there's not a lot to review because the the story is very encapsulated in part one and part two. And yeah, I'll call them part one and part two, but they're very encapsulated and. There, yeah, there's just there's there's nothing to pick apart. I mean, there's a few things to pick apart. We've, we've Sean and I both pointed out things, but it just doesn't. It, you know, overall, it was an enjoyable story. Felt very fourth doctor. I just it's my doctor. It's I'm so <laughs> ecstatic to have Tom doing audios now and getting new stuff from the fourth doctor because since 1999, when Big Finish started doing these, we've been getting five, six, seven, and eight. And then, you know, what was it, four years ago when they announced that Four was going to do his? It was just, it was, oh, dream come true. And it, and, it, and it continues to deliver. And it continues to me. This whole season has been good. I don't think I've put down any of the stories. No, There's been parts that I've had problems I've had with stories more so than this yeah, some, one. But, some are better than others. Yeah, but it's a sum of its all parts. Uh, sum of all parts. It's, it's, a good, it's, it's been a great series. It's been a great run. Well, and I look forward to next year when we bring in R- Romana 1. Yeah. yeah. And, and truly looking at it from a season standpoint now where, okay, so this is going to be on the heels of where did we figure these were placed just shortly? Was it shortly before or shortly after uh, Talons? Talons. After. It's shortly after Talons. 
And so you, you go from in, into that mindset of that era. It's between Talons and time, uh, Invasion of Time. Right. Well, but I mean, this is meant to be to a... Uh, yeah, this is meant to be like a whole season yeah, inserted in, in between two episodes. I'm trying to remember if those two were back-to-back. They're not. Okay. They're not, because Sunmakers is in there. And, um, uh, well, Invasion of Time is the last one with Leela. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Talons is her third story. But you've uh, got Horror okay. Fang Rock, you've got Sunmakers, okay. you've got Underworld, you've got... Yeah. There, there's a bunch of stuff still to come. It's still supposed to take Robots between, yeah. which was her second she, No, Robots was first. No. Second. Or Face of Evil. Second. Face, Face of Evil was first. first. Robots of Death and then Talons. Yeah. So those are the three that came before I think this, this is... A, well, we've determined it's for certain after Talons. It could even be, although they didn't really make any mention to it, it could be right after... No, you know what? I bet that's what it is. I bet it's right between Talons and uh, Sunmakers. It would make sense if, if you're going to do it in a season format to insert all of it instead oh, of yeah. trying to skip instead around. Of, yeah, you know, absolutely. just here. But looking at it in that time frame, okay, so you put yourself in the mindset of that era of the show. And like you mentioned with all of the Fourth Doctor trope stuff, but then we keep getting callbacks to... The third Doctor. We get the the disguise master. We get the nice his time at unit. Yeah. Yeah. We get the, um, uh, the whatever. Oh, I tried to use this to re- repair my TARDIS and didn't, and so I left it here. And you know all that all that kind of stuff, which really harkened back to that era as well. It just really meshed nicely. I there, there was. There was there was a lot of fan, like you said fan service. It's really the only way to talk about it. Is just that you know it, it's steeped in in that in that era. And I've talked about before how it didn't quite feel like the Fourth Doctor in Tom's performance in previous stories. Not in these two. These two, it definitely felt it sounded like he hadn't really aged a day. See, I still hear the age. I try not to. I try to take myself. It, away if, from it, that element of it. And if just anything, he's just a bit more baritone. He has a slightly deeper voice, but the performance even just feels so much like what he did on TV, more than some of the other ones that I've mentioned that, eh, not quite. This one more so is on the nail. According the to Wikipedia, the series of adventures is set between seasons 14 and 15 of the classic series hmm. and features Tom Baker and Louise Jameson reprising their roles. So that is right after Talons and before Talons was uh, the season finale. Um, or was it? Yeah. Well, here. I'll... <laughs> to the Google. <laughs> we all the, go. The little things that bother us. It's like, ah. Well, it's it's nice I to be able to place in your head where all this is happening. Yes, Talons Especially was the when end we do of the season. Horror Fang Rock was order. the beginning of the yeah, next. Yeah, okay. So, so then it was it's Horror Fang Rock, between... Invisible Enemy. That's the other thing, because there's no canine. Too, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep. So her eyes are still brown. Her eyes are still brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's important at all in audio, um, but yeah, just I mean, they they really have a nice a nice feel for that. And like I said, I I I hear Tom. And there's so much good dialogue in this too. Oh, the, there the, really the, the quips is. and the back and forth and the um, the doctor's thing about gumboots and <laughs> <laughs> you know, being swallowed. And do you mind? You still got the end of my scarf. And <laughs> there's so much to enjoy in it. It's- but you want to know what made me genuinely excited? 
was the next time on Doctor Who teaser where <laughs> we got here's a whole teaser for a whole season with the Doctor K9 and Romano one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and Jacob would like what coming back. <laughs> I assume you guys listened to it after the yeah, episode. Yeah. That excited me. Yeah. I was like, yay. <laughs> Want to get more because it's Romano. Is this one the Romano two or is this Romano one? This would be Romano, Romano one. one. Yeah, it's yeah. Just to get more Romano. It, it'll one. be it'll be interesting where they place those because that key, key to time series is all one after yeah. another after another. So it'd have to be set right after Key to Time, but before she decides to regenerate. It's the only way I can think. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't imagine you would try and sandwich a whole series of episodes in between this mission for the White Guardian. <laughs> that seems even... That seems excessive. Even for a bohemian, that seems a bit <laughs> long. I'll, I'll grant him a half hour for fishing. but <laughs> Or the afternoon fishing. Well, anything else on these two stories? I don't think so. Sean? No, I don't think so either. All right, well, our we'll episodes f- where we like stuff tend to go shorter than the ones <laughs> we're Don't forget that you can support us on Patreon. Just go to our website, click on the Patreon button, and you can go there and help us out. Uh, any of your uh, help helps to keep this show going, and we appreciate everyone that has supported us so far. You can also buy merchandise on our website from our Amazon store, Spreadshirt, or click on one of those fancy Google ads that pop up on there random from time to time. Every bit of that also helps goes right back into this show in order to help us produce this and keep going. Three years, guys. We've been doing it for three years. Yep. We want to keep doing it. We want to do it for three more. So we At need least. the support. If you don't want us to have to do a um, pledge show, <laughs> pledge drive show, we uh, – I don't know. I could give away a disappearing TARDIS mug <laughs> for only a pledge of $60. <laughs> um but, yeah, definitely, whatever you can do to help us out. And, of course, follow us on the various places, Facebook, Twitter. We are at Drabble Vortex on there. And that's all I got. Thank you for listening. Yep. As always, thank you for listening. As always. Do we want to cover the schedule? Yeah, let's do the schedule. You, know, you don't repeat everything that we've already talked about. No, go ahead. <laughs> I don't want to cover What is schedule. next week? I don't want to cover the schedule. Just for that. All creatures big and small. All, all creatures great, great and small. And small. All big creatures and great and small. Big and small. From rhinos to mice. <laughs> well, you're not far off. <laughs> no rhinos yet. No rhinos yet. I have watched episode one. You can skip it. Okay. Peter okay, Davison's not in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we were talking I, off it, mic. And I didn't realize he, he didn't become a full-fledged cast member either until like the fourth series, if I remember right. I'm not he's, sure when he's exactly. On and off again for the first few seasons. <laughs> I, for some reason, thought he was playing James Harriet. He's not playing James. He's Harriet. not playing James. <laughs> he's the author of the book. Yeah, that they're based no, his off name of. is uh, Jamie. No, I was looking at it. Yeah, see, James. <laughs> so, so Tristan or something like that. That's what it is. It's Tristan. Yeah. Important footnote: If you're going to be uh, joining us next week for Beyond the Doctor mm-hmm. with Peter Davidson, we are doing all creatures great and small. You may want to uh, go to the YouTube's and uh, uh, Google well, Peter Davidson I episodes. Would, uh, I would go to Emdeba first. Sorry, Emdeba. Find out which one? Yeah. yeah. Which there, he's it's sixty some episodes. So there's a pretty good chance you're going to. Yeah, you'll one. have a good chunk of them. Don't start with one. <laughs> Unless you want the setup for the entire series. Yeah, he's a vet. Well, now that Keith's watched it. I'll fill you in. He'll fill yeah, you in. <laughs> Was there a scarecrow? No, no scarecrow. No scarecrow? No. Was there a great hound? 
Did they uh, oh. later do a uh, All Creatures Great and squ- uh, Small Down Under? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, I don't we're think all so. right. We're right there then. There's an 83 and 85 special somehow. <laughs> what else? It we aired have? in 87. Our Friday Night Who this week is going to be The Visitation in order to prepare for Peter Davison in Beyond the Doctor, which, of course, we've already reviewed The, the, the Visitation. Uh, and if you've not joined us for a Friday Night Who, that would be an awesome one. I guarantee you there will be at least one rainbow trout joke made on Twitter <laughs> that week. So that would Oh, be a, it's that one. Okay. It would it'd be a really good one to join in on for that. I get that one in the other uh, the on talking Netflix? wall uh, Mixed up all the time. That's uh, The Awakening. The Awakening, yeah. This is what happens, sci-fi writers, when you give us one-word titles. (laughs) We get confused. So true. Uh, The following week is Happiness Patrol with Sylvester McCoy, and then our companion archive on Benny Summerfield, and doing uh, Shadow of the Scourge and The Dark Flame, number 13 and number 42 from the Big Finish main line. And uh, more schedule is posted there. A uh, quick side note, you, uh, as you, of course, you can follow us on all these places, as Glenn mentioned. You, if you're in the area, may actually get to uh, follow us for real, because we have several different conventions coming up that we are going to be at, uh, including, we've mentioned before, Time Eddy uh, down in uh, Wichita in October, uh, Topeka's own TopCon uh, at some point in time. In, also in October. Uh, in October. Yep. And uh, at least some of us are going to be going to British Fest. I don't know if everybody is up in Omaha. That's in July. In July, yeah. Well, that's sooner, but yeah, um, I'm going. Keith's going. I I'm think. planning on going. Keith's going. I don't know about Glenn. I will, probably won't be making the trip this year. Aww. So you get two thirds of us at British Fest <laughs> uh, up in Omaha, and then uh, we are in negotiations for uh, another one here in town. For uh, as I said, we're for, for slash and bash. We're doing that. We might show up. We might show up. So. That's an ongoing thing. So we'll put horror, Fang Rock, or uh, Brain of Morbius on the schedule for that one. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! My favorite Halloween story. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the corrected schedule is on the website as well. So <laughs> you have that to look forward to. I think that does it for my end. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.